In this episode, we're talking about skill building and how we can help guide students in moving beyond content mastery and using all that vocabulary and those language structures to communicate. Andrea Isabelli, a French teacher in Illinois, joins me to talk about how she supports communicative skill development with her students. So let's jump in. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello, my friends. Bonjour, mes amis. Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral, and you know I have to start by saying thank you for listening, being an amazing educator who takes time out of your week to reflect on your own teaching by listening to what other teachers are doing and hearing about research and ideas. I mean, that's truly what makes you an incredible educator. So thank you for that. And as always, of course, I have to ask you to make sure that you are liking, following, or subscribing on whatever app you might be listening on. And that helps to get you know, the idea of listening to podcasts out to other teachers, and you could leave a rating or a review while you are at it. As you have likely heard me say, and if you've seen some of my reels on Instagram, I talked about this recently, that I very often get my guests on the podcast based on workshops I've seen them do at conferences. I had the opportunity to attend the AATF conference, which is the American Association of Teachers of French, and that was in New Orleans. So it was my first time to New Orleans and my first time to AATF. And while I was there, I got to see wonderful workshops from teachers. And Andrea Isabelli is one of those people that I saw and met. And it was really interesting and funny. And she's going to hate me for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I was in her workshop and she was talking about the theme that we're going to be talking about today, which is uh, skill building, essentially. And she put up a picture of an activity from my website, uh, World Language Classroom, WLClassroom.com. And she talked about how she uses it with her students. And I saw it and I just yelled out, which is not like me, but I just yelled out, I c'est moi. And she was like, oh, Joshua, are you here? And we had never met. And I just really appreciated that she was sharing this activity with the group. And so I had to go to her and say, Andrea, I need you on the podcast. So welcome, Andrea. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Joshua. <laughs> I have to say, I was a little starstruck at that moment. And, and I was a little flustered when I was in the middle of that presentation. And there you were. I'm like, oh, my gosh, how weird is that? <laughs> yeah. But as as I told you, I recognized it as uh, an activity from my website. But also, you were professional and kind enough to have also giving me credit for it with my logo right there on the screen for my website. And 
a lot of times when I'm at conferences and I will see things that have been pulled from my website and teachers will put it up there and it's not credited. So just uh, an idea, anyone who's listening, if you're doing workshops and you are using materials and teachers are very good about sharing, but just make sure that you give the credit to where you got it from because that doesn't always happen. But I loved that when Andrea was doing her workshop, I saw it right there and that's how I knew it was mine. So uh, Andrea is a French teacher. That's why she was presenting at AATF at the conference. And she has taught all levels of essentially high school. And she currently is in her 31st year of teaching. So she's coming with some experience. She actually just told me that she's only a couple of years away from retirement as well. But she teaches in two separate high schools and she's the only French teacher. So it's very typical for a lot of French teachers out there, uh, but really being organized enough to pull all of that together. And she is about an hour west of Chicago. And in addition to presenting at AATF, she also regularly presents at her state organization in Illinois, which is ICTFL, another one of our alphabet soup acronyms. And also, she has worked with or collaborated with an organization called TED. And I am going to ask you, Andrea, to tell us about TED because I think you're going to be able to give it a little more justice than I can. What is TED? TED is an amazing organization. It's fairly new. Um, and it's TED stands for the Transatlantic Educators Dialogue. It's basically a conglomeration of teachers from around the world who come together on a Zoom call uh, every Sunday. We would meet for several hours and we would discuss pedagogy, methodology, issues that teachers deal with in the different countries so that we can compare notes, uh, we can learn from each other, we can teach each other. But TED is so much more than just that. There is a an alumni program. I'm also part of a group now that is going to be developing activities in using movies in the classroom. So it's a project that we're going to be working on, several teachers from different countries. It's just an amazing opportunity offered by the University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana. And is it multiple languages? Is it any way language specific? The whole activity is done in English. Uh, so all of the teachers need to know how to speak English. Some are fairly broken, but, you know, being language teachers, we're very tolerant and very accepting. But these are teachers from history, from science, from physics, technology, all different disciplines who come together. And we just find common ground. I had mentioned that we met at the AATF conference, and I have the impression that you're pretty involved with AATF. So do you want to do a little pitch for AATF while we're on the topic? Absolutely. AATF has been my savior. I have to tell you that being the only French teacher in my district, I really don't have anyone to with whom I can collaborate. So Eileen Walvord, who is the current AATF president, um, happens to be from my chapter, the Chicago Northern Illinois chapter. And she's the one who got me involved in the first place with the executive council. From there, I've become the first vice president of programs. And I was also teacher rep for the French Honor Society, the National, for three years uh, with Tracy Rucker. 
So that was kind of fun. Who was um, also on the podcast last who season. Who was also, <laughs> yes, I heard him. He made a point of telling me he was interviewed before me. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yes, I'm very active with our chapter and with national. I've been going to the national conventions since, I believe, Martinique was my first one, which was amazing. You mm-hmm. missed a good one. And, and I just love being a part of the AATF. And I'm telling you, connecting with teachers through that has really helped me figure out how to be a better teacher. The whole idea of those teacher communities coming together, and I'm so happy that the world is opening up a bit more where we can see each other in in person and be able to collaborate in those spaces. So I spent a number of years on the board of directors of my state language association in Massachusetts, so I'm well aware of the amount of work that goes into being involved behind the scenes of these organizations. So thank you so much for for doing that. Absolutely. But, you know, being involved in these organizations really has made me a better teacher and it it helps me help other teachers um, because I have the opportunity to present at these conferences. So if you are a teacher out there who is not yet a part of your language organization and or state organization, I highly encourage you to join. So if you want to join, if you're in the Chicago, Northern Illinois chapter and you would love to join, please contact me. Yeah, when it comes to presenting at conferences, I often hear from teachers, they'll say, oh, but I don't know what I would present on, or I'm not really comfortable with it. And we do sometimes get in a vacuum of seeing the same presenters. So I like that idea of let's let's get fresh ideas in. What I always tell guests that I interview here on the podcast is I, I mostly want to know what you're proud of in your classroom. That's what's going to resonate with teachers more than the tips, tools, tricks, and suggest all of that stuff. If you're proud and you've had success with it and you find joy in that pride of your students, that's what is going to get teachers enthusiastic when they're listening to you and want to try it out. And so I would say the same thing to anyone's listening who has been to a conference or not been to a conference and you've thought about presenting, but you're not sure what it is. What are you proud of in your classroom? Whatever that is, do a workshop on it. I completely agree. That's exactly my thoughts were, I am by far not an expert in any field. However, I have experience and that's all I do when I present. I talk about my experiences and it's easy to do that. So now let's jump into our topic for today. We've had a couple of conversations about this and how we actually want to frame it. And uh, we'll figure that out as we go. I really want to focus on skills and what that means in the classroom. And we kind of grappled with the difference between teaching content and teaching skills. And I think that's that's something that I actually want to focus on because I think that is probably uh, something that most teachers struggle with, you know, because they'll have a curriculum with content that they have to cover. And it's maybe not specifically looking at language communication skills in there. So let's start from that point and just make sure that we're we're using these words, content, skills, curriculum, all in the same way and understand them. 
could you talk to us about your experience and your classroom when you use the word skills, teaching skills, honing skills, what does that mean for you and your students? I, out of necessity, have had to teach to the skills because, as I said earlier, I am the only French teacher for two high schools. So what has happened is at one high school, I have French 3 and 4 AP in the same classroom, and then French 1 separately, French 2 separately. Then at the other high school, I have French 3, 4 AP in one classroom and French 1 and 2 in the same classroom. So trying to keep that all straight, it took me, I think, about 10 years to figure out how to effectively teach this. So I finally ended up writing my own curriculum, focusing on skills, not the content, because everybody knows we have French 1 content that is specific to French 1 and French 2 content that is typically taught in French 2. That is many times directed by the state standards. And by that, we're talking about vocabulary blocks, themes of Correct. vocabulary, language structures, those things that are dictated. Correct. Okay. Pretty much dictated mm -hmm. by the state. Um, so when I wrote my own curriculum, I did not thankfully do it by myself. Um, my good friend, Erin Gibbons, who teaches in Barrington, um, she and I would get together at Panera and just brainstorm ideas of how I can possibly teach two levels at the same time. We came up with focusing more on skills and looking at the vocabulary and the content through different lenses. We came up with a two-year rotation, A-B rotation for our curriculum my curriculum, I should say, that basically focuses on four main skills. You have listening comprehension, written comprehension, oral expression, and written expression. Everything you teach basically focuses on these four skills and combinations thereof. The content is basically the grammar, the vocabulary, the culture topics that you add in. And I always try to put it into an authentic setting like a realistically, how would these students be using these skills and this information, like ordering in a cafe or asking somebody on the street for directions? I'm very interested in that idea of the two-year rotation. Can we unpack that a little bit? So that would mean, say, I'm going to be a junior and then a senior, and I'm going in, so I will be, I would be with you for those two years, and it would be essentially, it would be the same course, the same name of the course. So what does my experience look like with the content and skills over that two-year period? Like I said, 10 years in the making, but I wrote down what my level three skills, content, grammar, culture, everything, the vocabulary that I wanted to add in. I wrote it all out and then I did the same for my AP. I took half of the French three and then I took half of my AP curriculum and kind of smushed that together into rotation A. And then whatever I didn't take from that first half, I put together from the two French three and AP and put that into rotation B. So by the end of the two years, they will have experienced everything from those two levels, but I teach the class all together at the same time. I don't separate them out. They end up getting all of the skills, all of the content from the two years. It's just kind of half and half. And then I differentiate the activities within that. So I, I obviously give more supports to the threes and then I expect a little more from the AP students. 
each time. So there's a lot of rep repetition in there, which also helps uh, cement or solidify their learning. And there's new topics each time. Funny story, I had a student in my French 1 class who asked if he could just skip to French 3 since we're doing the same thing in French 2. And that's where I explained to him, no, no, you don't understand. You're only getting half of it this year. You get the next half next year. So you actually do have to go through both levels. When a student is in that second year, there are students who are then in their first year in the room with them. So that's where the differentiation is happening. Correct. So I'm I'm thinking then that you can't have a linear grammar syllabus no. that is typical to textbooks, right? Correct. So can you can you talk to us about like I'm I'm loving this concept, <laughs> you know, because you you can't do the linear grammar that textbooks would want you to do. So how how do you take that on when you have students in their second year and first year together? It's funny that you say that. So like I said, there's a lot of repetition. Um, obviously, you have to start with the very simple, hello, how are you in the beginning? But I have the upper level of the kids helping the lower level kids. And in doing that, they actually learn more and solidify it even more for them, which is great. Are the assessments different for those students? Or are they the same assessment, but you're just looking at like their their what they're producing, their text type is different? Because they're doing the same themes, right? Correct. They're all doing the same thing. So... My assessments are a little different. They're not what you would consider normal, like quizzes and tests. I do more project-based learning. So it's very open-ended. So obviously the upper level kids are going to give me more than the lower level kids. They're graded pretty much the same way, but with different expectations, if that makes sense. Um, as you said, there I have been searching far and wide for a textbook that would address this because as you said, you can't follow that linear grammatical structure. So yeah. I just kind of, I don't explicitly teach grammar. I teach grammar more in context as it comes up with the authentic activities we are doing. That's where I will say, okay, this is the why, and this is how you do it. And then we practice mm -hmm. it a little bit, but in a context that they would use. Like I would have students do polls. So when we're doing question words, they would have to ask the same question of different students so they get that repetition. They're going to see different themes in the second year than they saw in their first year, right? So you don't repeat the same theme? For, for example, I might tackle food in rotation A in the context of a cafe and ordering food and restaurants. In rotation B, we would tackle food, but through a different lens. So we would be looking at maybe health benefits, cafeteria menus, comparing them in the two schools. I would actually, their assessment at the end of that rotation would be to make a, a video short. And we, we make it a whole Cannes Film Festival thing where I put out the red carpet, they dress up. This is their final exam. They have to make a video short on um, promoting healthy eating. So traditionally, particularly for textbook focus, the focus has been on a lot of content and not the skills, right? They have the content. And I think teachers are good at the content. I think at the state and national level, we're, we're good at, you know, dictating standards and content. But it's, you know, the whole idea of proficiency is, but what are you going to do with it? Like, what's the next step, right? So we're good with content, but I think that we always need more guidance when it comes to skill development. 
And this is idea of do we just ditch the textbook completely and the content? So how are you addressing skill development? Because again, I think teachers are good with the content. So I think where we need to hear about your experience is in that skill development. Right. So I, I have actually ditched the textbook um, because I've, I, I do take bits and pieces from things, especially with the upper levels. There are, I don't know, maybe five or six textbooks that I use, but I take bits and pieces and I fit them into what skill I am developing. For example, with my AP students, every week I have them summarizing an article and then they have to come up with discussion questions for the class. So the French threes would be a part of the discussion. They would be answering the questions that the AP students would be asking them based on their summary of the article that they summarized. Can you give us some more examples? You gave us a couple. One way of doing food was the ordering and one way, I forget what the other, the the level. The health benefits. The health benefits, right. What are some examples of other themes that, you know, they had, they were solid, they had the content. And now how can you help them use that content in skill areas? I'll give you an example in the lower levels um, for the French one, two. So I do an exchange with a school in France and they basically have to fill out a form with their basic information, name, address, phone number. So this brings in everything we've been learning throughout the semester. They have to write a letter in French to their potential pen pal describing themselves, their family, their likes, their dislikes. And this is where your activity all about me That little booklet that they made Mm -hmm. came in because I had them do that in advance. I do a lot of backward design. So basically, I start with the final exam. What do I want them to perform? And then I work backwards and create my activities to prepare them for that final exam. So basically, they have everything they need to be able to do this. So they have their writing skills, their written expression they have to actually produce a written letter that they are writing to their pen pals, talking about their school, talking about the classes they have, things they like to do, things they don't like to do. They also need to create a video saying similar things, but basically showing their houses, their school, their friends, introducing their family, showing things that they can do, like maybe playing soccer or playing an instrument to be creative in this video that they make. It's maybe a two minute video. So they have to produce their oral expression in that sense. And then their written and listening comprehension comes in on the day of the final. They will read some letters from the French students These are hypotheticals that have been prepared in advance, but that I actually took from real students. I just changed the names. They watch some of their videos and they have to discuss with each other which pen pal they think would pair up with them all in the target language and why they think this person would be a good fit. And I simply just listen to their conversations and I assess their listening comprehension based on the videos they saw, based on the written letters that they're reading from the pen pals in France. And then they also have more oral expression as they're discussing which ones they would like to pair up with. So that was a a summative 
assessment that you kind of put together, which is very much like an integrated performance assessment in IPA because you're touching on all the modes there. Tell us a little bit about what that looks like in your classroom as you're you're building their proficiency in those skills to yes. be able to perform on that summative assessment. You start small, like I have them do a family tree and they have to just use the possessive adjectives, mon mame, ma mère, mon père, mes cousins, and they just label each of the people. Then I get them together and partner them up and they have to talk about each of the people that they have described in their family tree. And I put an example on the board of, you know, my father's name is, he is so old, he likes this, he doesn't like that. So I put the the framework on the board for them and they just fill in the words and I give them time to prepare it in advance. And then they talk with their partners about it. So we're building it baby step by baby step. And they, they will use this information later to describe their families, what they like. Physical descriptions even will add in. There's another activity that I do with them for interviewing because they also have to ask questions. And this is all prep for the AP exam too, where they're going to have to respond to an email. They have to respond to questions and ask a few themselves. So we do a short interview where they have to use each of the question words, who, why, what, where, when, how. They can add in others if they like. They create the questions and then I have them interview their partners. And then from that, they have to write a paragraph in the third person about their notes that they took on that other person. And then we just do a fun little activity. You make sure you don't put gender in there. You don't put their names and you just basically read out your description and the rest of the class has to guess who it is. I would be really interested to know where you continue to pull your inspiration from after 31 years at this. What is continuing to inspire you along the way? Oh my gosh, all kinds of things. I love teaching with immersion. I have been teaching with immersion for over 20 years, at least. So day one of French One, very accessible to them. But that I got from Linda Paulus. I asked her to come in and kind of help me out and give me some pointers. She had pages and pages of notes for me, which was amazing, which really put me on that path. So teaching with immersion, teaching language in context also. For me, it's just logical to put it in some sort of a context that makes sense to kids. And I get a lot of my inspiration from Alice Omaggio Hadley's book, uh, Teaching Language in Context. She was actually a professor at the University of Illinois when I studied there. That's where I did my undergrad. Also, Understanding by Design by Grant Wiggins and Jay McTie. That's where I got my backward design from, uh, which also makes a lot of sense to me. I'm a very logically minded person. I get a lot of activities off of Teachers Pay Teachers. Um, You have to kind of pick and choose. And I love that they show previews for you. So you can see if that's something that you would be interested in. Uh, French Teachers in the U.S. is also a website run by uh, very, very great French teachers such as Teresa Flock, Catherine Uslan. Uh, they are a couple of the administrators of that site. Also, professional organizations, the AATF, ICTFL, I always get great ideas from them. So I just, I take them from everywhere. 
love how giving and generous language teachers are. I mean, I think it's teachers in general, but I'm not in the math teacher world and the history teacher world, so I don't really know what happens there. Mm -hmm. But I know just being with and around language teachers that they're always sharing. It might not be a physical resource here, do this, but the ideas that you get just by doing that is wonderful. Well, being a part of that TED program too, that has teachers from all different disciplines. And even being a language teacher, I can pull things from those different disciplines that I can actually use in my own. So it's, I love getting those different perspectives. So this is the point in our conversation where I like to pull the teacher curtain back a little bit <laughs> and get to know uh, Andrea, the wonderful human being behind all this hardworking teacher stuff. Um, so you up for it? You up for this little game? Absolutely. Let's go. Okay. All right. Okay. So this first, this or that, you choose one and maybe say why just to give a little insight about you. So if you are watching a movie or reading a book, and there are the main protagonists, and then there are those secondary kind of sidekicks. Which one are you more interested in? Main protagonist. I'm all about the main characters and because they drive the story. Okay, drive the story. Drive the story. Okay, so now this is about your, your work habits. So if you're creating something new, whether it's for your students or just writing something, do you save as you go or do you wait to the end and save? Honestly, most of the time, my ideas come to me when I'm in the car driving for some strange reason. I'll be driving to school and I just have this great idea and I just start developing it in my head. So I think I wait to the end because I, I think through it all first and then I write it all down. Oh, okay. See, I am, I have a horrible, horrible habit and I should have learned my lessons so many times already, but I will be creating a new presentation or a workshop or something and I get so into it and I'm putting slides together and then something will happen and I lose it and I haven't saved it in the last 47 minutes. I'm, and I should have learned my lessons so many times, but I get so focused sometimes oh, no. that I'm doing it and <laughs> like, ah, oh. but you know, once in a while I need to do something like put a post-it note on my computer to say, save, save, save. I still won't, but <laughs> okay. Now the last one is, do you find more comfort in what's predictable and expected that's coming up? Or do you like more spontaneity? Oh, definitely spontaneity. I am one of the adventure-seeking people on this earth who just loves the unexpected. I never want to be normal. I always strive to be different. Strive to be different. Yes. Hashtag. I love that. Strive <laughs> to be different. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so I am sure that there are likely teachers that would like to connect with you, uh, whether they want to get involved in AATF in your chapter or even the national level, or just to talk to you about this skill building. And what is uh, a way that teachers can reach out and connect with you? They can uh, try to find me on Facebook, but you have to mention this podcast. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I may not accept your friend request. So mention that you heard me on um, uh, Joshua Cabral's I, podcast, yeah. and then I will for sure friend you. Um, and you can connect with me that way. And it's by Andrea K. Gerges Isabelli. 
So you'll find okay. it. Nobody else has Gurgis. It's G-R-G-A-S. <laughs> it's my maiden name. Um, you can also find me um, through email if you're more comfortable with that. A Isabelli, that's A-I-S-A-B-E-L-L-I 369 at gmail.com. I always like to leave teachers with concrete, hearty pieces of advice that they can do in their classroom right away or to be thinking about things in a different way. So what advice would you give to teachers who are considering this whole concept of skill building? The advice that I give to my students every year, I think would also hold true for teachers or anybody in any life situation. It's this quote that I came across early on in my teaching that has pretty much been my mantra. And it's a quote by Henry Ford. The only real mistake is the one from which we learn nothing. It's my favorite okay. because if, if you learn something from it, it's technically not a mistake. It's a learning experience. So be bold and make mistakes because that's how you're going to get through it. I have made my share. Trust me. I am far from perfect. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your your insight, your suggestions, and, and sharing your experience in the classroom with us. And I was very interested in learning more, even more about this year one, year two, two-year program and how that works. I think that's phenomenal. I think at some point, maybe we'll have a, another conversation to focus really on what that curriculum piece even looks like. But thank you so much for your time and everything that you were able to share with us today. Thank you, Joshua. It's been truly an honor to be a part of your podcast. What are your takeaways from that conversation with Andrea Isabelli? Hopefully, you're coming away with some ideas for moving beyond simple mastery of language content and using it to hone student skills in all of the communication modes. Be sure to check out the show notes to connect with Andrea Isabelli. You'll also see a link to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. There are also links to get in touch with me if you'd like to work together, either in person in your school or remotely. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.